Hello, and welcome to another engaging episode of Cyber Speaks Live, the InfoSec podcast recorded in front of a live online audience, giving you, the community, a voice that can be heard around the world. We're live Wednesday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And now it's time for your host, Duncan McAllen. Hi everyone, my name is Duncan Macklin and I am ultimately the founder of Cyberspeaks Live. This is actually going to be a live audience participated podcast. So we're doing this every week through our Zoom platform. So you're able to join the Zoom meeting just like you would any other uh, meeting that you're taking for work, what have you and be able to participate in the live dialogue with a special guest each week. Um, You know, the purpose and the reason behind this is, I don't know about yourselves, but I do enjoy listening to podcasts, but you know, sometimes I I get distracted and kind of drift off and I wanted to have something that's more meaningful and more engaging, not to take away from anything else that's out there, but really, I'm a huge believer in community at the end of the day. Um, You know, I've been very blessed to spend the past two decades traveling around the world. I've done a lot of trainings in different cities and being able to have that kind of captive audience uh, of like-minded individuals, I've also been privileged enough to be able to help laid the foundation for several different user groups throughout the US and Europe. So I'm a very big proponent of the community connecting and having dialogue, talking about things that matter to them. And that's what this podcast is all about. That's what the name represents, Cyber Speaks Live. We're out here, we're talking with each other, we're talking with industry leaders and you know, basically, hope, making a big splash in this and engaging you guys in this dialogue. So tonight, our inaugural episode. You know, I, I live by a principle: if you're going to fail, fail big, right? Because you tend to learn a whole lot more when you fail big. So, with that in mind, I went big and I went after one of the most influential people that I can think of in this community um you know we're we're talking someone who's a ceo he's an author he's just a very well respected person in this community and with no further ado i want to introduce marcus j carey founder and ceo of threat care co-author of Tribe of Hackers, and now founder of the Tribe of Hackers Summit. So with that, let me go ahead and introduce Marcus. Marcus, thank you for being on the show. I welcome you. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing uh, outstanding. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for everybody joining. I can't wait to the questions start pouring in. Uh, and I think we're going to have like a lively discussion uh, thanks for everybody for joining. Absolutely, absolutely. Lively is what we hope for. So for those of you that are participating in the live podcast, remember your mics are muted right now just to prevent any background noise. But if you do have a question or if you want to jump in and add your own commentary, feel free. I have it set so that you can unmute yourselves. So with that, um, Let's go ahead and talk about one thing in particular. And like I said, I did notice you when we were in the speaker lounge back at Houston SecCon. Yeah, you're you're kind of like me. You're a big dude, man. We're in Texas. You're in my hometown, Hook'em Horns, right? But I got to ask, man, did you grow up here? Did you play ball? Uh, so actually, funny enough, I am from Texas, but... I was actually really good at basketball growing up, funny enough. Oh, really? So that was my sport. I played football because football is mandatory <laughs> to play if you grow up in Texas. But I was actually a really good at basketball, man. Um, but I was too short, too slow to play D1. 
but I had uh, I could I could have played college basketball at a at a smaller school. I ended up going to the Navy though, but basketball was my sport. All right, all right, I can respect that, man. So, who's your team then? Well, so I'm from I'm originally from the Waco area, so I kind of root for the hometown like Waco team, uh, Baylor. I kind of root for them in sports. Uh, also in um in 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 pro sports is all the Dallas teams. So, uh, you know, that's the, that's, I grew up around Dallas area. So that's kind of all my teams. All right. So you're a Cowboys fan too then, right? Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a blessing and a curse to be a Cowboys fan. <laughs> it's mostly cursed though. Or mostly, mostly curse. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, so just looking at some of your background and stuff, uh, number one, I want to thank you for your service to this country, sir. Outstanding. Yeah, appreciate that. Appreciate that, brother. Yeah. Um, so you spent nine years almost, uh, I, if if I'm right, correct me if I'm wrong, but about nine years with the United States Navy in crypto communications, right? Yeah, that's right. Did, did a, a little bit over eight, almost nine years doing a cryptography and all kind of cool stuff in the Navy. I can't, if I if I told you what I did, I'd kill you. <laughs> I get it. I get it. And actually, my wife did signal intel for the United States Army too. So I kind of get what what you're talking about. Things that you can discuss and things that you can't discuss. And I'm her husband, you know. But still, case remains the same. Uh, so, can you tell me at least what it was like? Uh, what your experience in the mil- military? And one of the questions that did come to mind, you know. I assume you were pretty young going into the Navy, yes? Yes, I was 18 years old. Uh, what it was like, uh, I didn't, I grew up pretty poor, so I didn't have access to technology. And so just imagine going from, from you know, zero to uh, when I first got to Scotland, you know, computers all over the place. And this was, a, this was very early in the internet days. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is before internet was even a, a thing. We, we had, you know, a global network uh, you know, because I worked, you know, supporting the NSA the whole time. We had a global network. You could talk to anybody anytime in the world. You could phone anybody anytime in the world. Like it was like it was, uh, you know, it's kind of like all the stuff that you have on the internet now. We even had stuff like Twitter back in the day. So it was like way. This is like 1993, bro. And I went, I go in, and we have all these systems for global communications and and all kind of stuff. It just blew my mind. We had we had routers and all this stuff already in the early Cisco routers, early Microsoft networks, early everything. So you just, it was just an amazing experience. Sounds like we kind of share a similar background. I grew up poor, you know, in the projects with a single mother, you know, but she was struggling to do the best she could. And I, I'm like you, I didn't have that early access to technology. Uh, the best that I had, I, I think it was the eighth or ninth grade. We had a keyboarding course in school. Then we did some programming on Apple twos, you know, that kind of stuff. But outside of school, that was it. And, you know, part of my background, just being completely transparent, I'm a high school dropout, you know? So ninth grade was the last grade that I completed. So for me, I didn't even get some of the you know, more advanced access to systems in high school. Uh, no less college. I, I got married young and, you know, it, college just wasn't really in the cards for me. So it wasn't until about my mid-20s that I picked this stuff up. So you're talking about those global networks and everything. I was on Fidonet and running a BBS back in those days and, you know, all that stuff. So that's what got me turned on to it, but now you're in the Navy, you're doing crypto communications. Um, That must have been a tremendous experience. It gave you a lot to come out of the service and contribute, you know, uh, in the corporate world or what have you. So in between the Navy and threat care, you know, what was some of your experience and how did that kind of prep you for starting your own cyber company? I, I think a lot of our listeners might have those aspirations or, or just want to advance their career to the point, you know, that you're 
that you have accomplished. So could you kind of explain what that transition was like from military to civilian and your career growth? Yeah, I, I think uh, I got dogs barking in the background. Sorry about that. <laughs> but, it's uh, all right, man. But, but uh, basically, uh, what happened was when I when I joined the military, uh, you know, I got access to all this technology, and then then it kind of, I would say that when I got out, I didn't know exactly what I had to, you know, I didn't understand what exactly I had the privilege to be able to do in the military. Uh, I think that a lot of smart people, uh, some people call it imposter syndrome, but, uh, you, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know how much I knew, you know what I'm saying? I didn't know that what I was doing was a big deal. Yeah. Um, and so, and even, you know, and so I, I actually had that, I probably, I probably didn't understand like how much, you know, advantage I had on a lot of people. And so probably about four or five years after I got out the military. And so I still was thinking I didn't know anything, funny enough. And, uh, you know, quite, you know, and, and so I figured out, I was, oh, snap. And then all the, you know, I figured out at one point that all the people that, that they're pretending they know stuff, a lot of people didn't know nothing. And so, uh, and so, I mean, I mostly like, I mean, people talk about charlatans all the time. And I try not to give charlatans no shine, but I'm saying that, that a lot of people, what I do is I actually have to convince people that they're actually way better and way smarter than they think they are because I had to overcome that, that hurdle myself. Yeah. And so, uh, and, 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 and at a point that, that ended up me, uh, even when I started my company, um, I didn't, I didn't know, I, I didn't know if I could do a company. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, I didn't, you know, I thought that I had to hire, you know, a CEO. Uh, funny enough, the early, early days of the company, I hired two separate CEOs and I wasn't the CEO, but it's just learning over and over again and having the confidence in yourself that you can do stuff. Uh, that's the big thing that I've learned, uh, you know, getting out the military. And, and so that's, that's what I spend a lot of my time convincing people and pumping people up that they're, they're, they're amazing. So, yeah. um, that's that's what I do. So, I mean, you're basically the the poster child of you know how to be a su successful transition from military to civilian life, um, at, at least in the business sense. For those listening that are either active military or veterans that are trying to get into the cybersecurity space. Do you have any specific recommendations for those who have served our country trying to do this? Yeah, I think that um, the military, what the, the, the cool thing about the military, and I tell people, I make fun of the Air Force a lot, but uh, I tell <laughs> people, I, t I tell people that, um, What's cool about the military is like when you're deployed, like you know, I, I was, you know, I've been, I did two Gulf deployments when I was when I was in the Navy, uh, and when you're in the middle of the Gulf, it, there's nobody coming out to fix your stuff. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you got to fix it. So you got to find a way to fix it, or MacGyver it or something. And uh, so uh, that's what I, I tell military people. I say that that that's almost like the ultimate pressure, where either it works or either you figure out a way to do it. Or, you know, and then you get all the glory or you can look like a, you know, a dunce per se. So that's the thing that the military does is, is it gives you that pressure. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so hopefully um, the people that are out there can understand that they've been through a lot. They've been through that pressure because like, you know, when I, what I, I did what I did and we did signals intelligence, you mentioned your wife did that, the same kind of stuff I did and supporting uh, those missions. You, you have to support those missions or, you know, people could die. So, um, that's, Absolutely. that's, that's the kind of, you know, that's the kind of thing that military people bring to the table in the civilian world. Most of the time people aren't going to die. Although I think the new challenge is privacy. Privacy is a big issue uh, now and that affects a lot of civilians. Um, but, um, yeah, so I, I want all the military people know that just because they were in the military, they're, you know, sometimes people try to discount that 
that knowledge, but you know, all that knowledge you gain in the military is definitely valid, you know, and I help people all the time, you know, communicate and see how that fits into the outside world. There you go. There you go. Um, and, and, uh, and you don't have to, and by the way, so I want to let everybody know, you didn't have to be in the military to go through some things, uh, be under pressure and all those different things too. And there's a lot of times that people may be doing system administration or things of that nature, whatever job you, whatever job you have, my biggest thing that I help people and mentor people on is taking what they, they've done and converting that into, you know, cybersecurity speak or management speak or whatever. Mm. And, and, and that's the, that's kind of like the talent I have. I, I can kind of like, okay, you did this and that's what this means that in cybersecurity. Right. And so that's what I help people with all the time. That's awesome, man. That really is. And like you, I, I like to help the next generation that's coming up behind us. Um, but with mentoring, uh, a lot of folks out there are very interested in being mentored and helping, you know, learn new things or just advance their career, know how to talk and, and how to, you know, peel back that imposter syndrome and reveal who they really are and what they're able to do and how they can contribute. Um, when it comes to mentoring, do you have any advice for those that are interested in men being mentored and what to look for in a mentor? Yeah, I think that, that um, basically uh, the big thing about the whole imposter syndrome thing is people don't think they're an expert at something. And I know, <coughs> excuse me, sometimes people say that they're, you know, you're not an expert or they don't want to be called an expert, but to somebody else, you're an expert, right? So, yeah. you know, plain, plain and simple. So to be a mentor, you would start off with the things that you know most about. Um, and that could be forensics, that could be pen testing, that could be a lot of different things, system administration, mm -hmm. networking, whatever. So so start with your, your spot that you know super well. Yeah. And you don't have to you don't have to go learn something to be a mentor in it. You just say, Okay, I know business, I know risk, I know whatever. You just you just pick what that is and then you know, sometimes we also discount what we know as a is is somehow not a big deal or not interesting at all. But I, I tell people uh, that that your your superpower is not is never going to be a big deal to you. So I so like just imagine Superwoman or Wonder Woman. Their superpowers are just regular stuff to them. They've been doing that since they was kids, right? <laughs> so so yeah. your whatever your superpower is and and your ability to mentor in a certain area you're probably going to think it's boring, right? Mm -hmm. However, when you engage with somebody and you're teaching them and, and building them up in an area, they're going to think it's freaking magic. Yep. That's what, that's what I know about mentoring. Yeah. And I love seeing that light bulb go off in their head and, and that aha moment for them, or, you know, just this week, one of the kids, I say kid, he's uh, early twenties, you know, that I've been working with for a while now, he's got his first real gig type interview this Friday with Rackspace, you know, so hopefully he gets that, you know, first shot at it. But, you know, it, it just, when you see and, and when you're working with them and you watch this career development take place in front of you, you, what I end up finding is that, I get so much more out of that experience than what I think they do, you know, but again, it goes back to what we were talking before the show about karma, right? And what you give is what you get in this world. So, um, all right. So here we are. You're now, what is it, Marcus? Three years into threat care. Is that right? Well, so the company is almost since its fifth year. It's been a, oh, it, it, I mean, it feels like two years, but like one year. I mean, it's been, it's been like quantum leap, you know? So, uh, yeah, so the company is almost five years old. Oh, I'm sorry. Forgive me there. So um, you have the floor, you have the platform. Um, 
tell us what is Threatcare actually about? What do you guys do for your customers and for the community? Well, so basically, I like to tell people we help people get secure and stay secure, uh, and that's that's what we do. We're trying to we're trying to eliminate. Um, we're we're trying to help people really validate um, what they're doing on their network and how to build their build their security up, and 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 not doing FUD. We don't sell by FUD. We just try to help people right. out. So just like I'm just like I'm on the internet. Let's try. That's how I try to do business. Amen to that. So th those that may not be aware, FUD is fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And you see a lot of this in marketing today from cybersecurity companies that you know, latch on to every single cyber incident that ever occurs and try to use that as a spin for how their solution protects and defends you against you know, the world coming to an end due to the zombie apocalypse caused by some Sam Sam ransomware, right? So, um, awesome. So now I really want to get into the meat of why I invited you onto the show, why I wanted to have you be our inaugural guest co-host. Okay. Let's talk about tribe of hackers. What is it? So a uh, tribe of hackers is a, is a book that, uh, it's, it's a community book book. I happen to be, I happen to have the inspiration to do the book. Uh, my head of marketing, Jennifer Jen, she she helped manage the project. <coughs> Excuse me. So it's a it's a community uh, project where tons of people in the community contributed. We had set sixty nine contributors outside of myself, and we 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 put together a book that it's helped out a lot of people. Funny enough, it's the book has sold uh, over like forty five hundred copies, uh, and it was wow. independently done. Uh, and so that's a big deal. Uh, Amazon wants to in, uh, do a, a little profile on us because it's like one of the best, uh, the best independently published books in tech uh, that, that they've seen. So it's, it's a big deal. It is fantastic. And just reading through, you know, for those of you that may not be aware of the Tribe of Hackers book, like Marcus was saying, 70 different contributors across all different types of infosec roles um you know in the process the method that marcus used um based off of another tribe of something and i can't recall what you had said in the book yeah yeah so it was based off this book called tribe of mentors it was funny because I, I thought tribe of mentors was like okay but i think like man we have a tribe the hackers are we we have our own lingo mm -hmm. we have our own everything we have our own way to communicate and so like from a tribal perspective like we're we are a true tribe and so i was like man i i mean when you go to a conference and you go into a speaker ready room you go into a hallway con <clears throat> you're, you're constantly communicating to all these people and 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 so what i said like these are all the questions i ask anybody right and so i i came up with all the questions and and uh like you know and it, and it ended up being being pretty insightful and uh it, it was able to share a lot of these people with with the with the rest of the world and and i keep on you know people are being blessed by the book it's awesome absolutely um do you mind if i mention the pdf version oh no totally totally i'm wide open about being sure that i mean it's a we also we we released the book and then we released uh, a couple of days later, we released a free PDF for the book. Mm -hmm. The whole book, <clears throat> we released the entire book uh, for free. It's a PDF copy. It's yep. beautiful. It's as beautiful as the the, the book. Um, funny enough, people have bought the have have used have got the free PDF, and then they went out and bought the book. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, it, it it just from my perspective, it's a way of being able to give back. It is a, a an incredibly insightful and inspiring volume. Uh, so definitely check that out. How many downloads of the PDF have you had? Man, man, we had 7,000 downloads the first week. Wow, that's and impressive. So probably 10,000 plus, definitely maybe 20,000, I don't know. I mean, uh, so what's cool about that is um, 
that that um you can just go on go on Google and say Tribe of Hackers free PDF. Mm-hmm. Just type in type that in and it'll get get you to the page and you can download it. Download it from our site. And the reason why I say that is because I don't know if people put malware in other PDFs, so our, yeah. our stuff's clean. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And by the way, that's DuckDuckGo for your search. <laughs> Just give me a hard time there. Um, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine with DuckDuckGo. Like, yeah. I, I, I mean, so you're dealing with a president. I don't believe. I don't think there's such thing as privacy. By the way, so we can we can start that off. I would love to take. If we get into the questions, ask me about privacy and. Oh yeah. Like I don't believe oh, yeah. privacy exists. It, it, it doesn't, it, it's a fallacy and anybody who thinks otherwise, I'm sorry, but you're going to find out um, soon enough, eventually one day, by the way, check out it, for the listeners. This is just me randomly throwing something out there, but I absolutely despise Google. I despise Facebook. Um, I've deleted both of those from my organization. I've deleted them from my life and a a really good validation of my actions in that regard is a documentary called the creepy line. Check it out. It will really open you up to just how manipulative both Facebook and Google can be. Uh, in addition to just how do I put it? Uh, the the scandalous nature of both of those organizations. Now that's all I'm going to say. Um, but check out the documentary. Now the book has led to something else pretty spectacular uh, that's taking place tomorrow in Austin, Texas. Can you talk to me about what's happening? Yeah. So the so uh, basically what we're doing tomorrow is uh, it's going to be the first Tribe of Hackers Summit uh, We where we, we're having, I think they said like 20-something people from the book are going to be in Austin tomorrow. Oh, great. And, uh, yeah, and that's going to be crazy. There's a lot of stuff, unintended consequences in this book that are really <laughs> awesome. Um, you know, I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't expect stuff to happen. Like, you know, people are trying to get their books signed by the contributors now, and mm. it's like a collector's item. Uh, and tomorrow is going to be a great day to get your <laughs> get your, get to get your books up by the contributors because it's going to be like twenty something people out in the same spot. That's going to be crazy. Yeah. Uh, but so no. basically, what we're doing is we're doing. I think it's going to be eight talks. There are going to be twenty minutes TED styles talks. Uh, you know, some technical, some inspirational. But we're going to have a really good time and and get a bunch of smart people in the same room at the same time. And we're going to have some roundtable discussions. It's going to be lit. Awesome. I can't wait to, to be there. And actually, I'm just outside of Austin myself in New Brumfels. I sit along the Guadalupe River. So I'm definitely going to be there. I'm actually volunteering. So uh, if you'd like to come, shake my hand, introduce yourself, pick up one of these. I just arrived today, which is the CyberSpeaks Live stickers. Uh, they're actually, I'm really impressed. They're very high quality vinyl type stickers and uh look just like this on your laptop so if you'd like to stop by tomorrow like i said i'm going to be volunteering for the tribe of hackers summit uh i think they have me at the registration desk so just stop by introduce yourself and with that um you know you did pick a pretty interesting day to host the summit Right. So tomorrow, for those that may not be aware, is world. I'm gonna mute everyone. Uh, um, Marcus, can you still hear me? Excellent. So tomorrow is actually the World Password Day. Right. It's supposed to encourage good cyber hygiene. Uh, password. Well, let's just talk about it. What's your thoughts? around password management. Oh, Marcus, I'm sorry. I think I have you muted. There you go. You're good. I said that, hold on. 
Try it again, Marcus. Can you hear me? Yeah, now we can. All right, You're cool. Yeah, so, so uh, basically what, basically the whole, the whole deal is that I think you should 100% uh, use a password manager. Um, mm -hmm. You know, everybody has, has, has popped up in the, you know, something like have I been pwned or whatever. Some your, your, your favorite passwords are already out there on the internet. Yep. Uh, so um, I highly recommend that you use a password, uh, uh, you know, and also think about all the accounts. Um, some of the things I do is like, I mean, I use Gmail, so you can go into Gmail and like type in like new account or whatever. Try to search for, for uh, confirm your email. Try to search for those 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 kind of strings like confirm your email because what you can do is you can go through and you can see where you have accounts at and then go in and, and try to reset all those accounts or get rid of the accounts if you don't need it because i've even had some accounts that you know from 93 or something yeah <laughs> they've been compromised and so I'm like god dang you know that was you know long ago but hey i think everybody reused passwords but i think that we, we're past the point where we can we can kind of do that um and also uh, password managers plus uh, plus two-factor authentication or two-step authentication, whatever you call mm -hmm. it. So I think both of those are definitely a must. Yeah, that was actually a really <laughs> insightful tip. I hadn't considered that before, but using the search capability in whatever email system or client that you're using, whether if it's Outlook, uh, Gmail, you know, Hotmail, whatever, Using that to search for confirm your email. That way, like Marcus said, you can find all the ones that you, uh, all the systems that have that email and be able to use that to start to get that stuff inside of your password manager. Um, really good tip there. Now, one question though, something you didn't touch on that I'm curious about. You've heard about Microsoft's recent policy change about Windows 10 and password expiration, right? What's your thoughts on that? No, I haven't heard anything about it. Tell me, just fill me in. To, oh, so, give me, so give, give me an elevator pitch on that. Yeah, apparently Microsoft and their May release for Windows 10 is going to do away with the password expiry notification. So, they're basically going with the premise that having passwords expire after a specified period of time is an archaic method of trying to be secure. And I have to, to a certain extent, agree with them because when you add a password expiration policy today for let's say 30, 60, 90 days, what, what do typical end years end users in an enterprise environment start to do. They start to manipulate the system, right? They start to add ones or use the month or whatever they can do, fall 2019, and they just go through these uh, manipulations, like I said, of the password policy. So there's been this argument for a long time about whether or not password expiration policies matter in today's environment versus password entropy and something that end users can remember and sustain. So that's what's going on. I'm just kind of curious okay. what your thoughts okay. might be. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, my quick take is, um, my quick take is I think that what password, remember what I said? I've literally had an account from like the 90s compromised. Mm -hmm. It, right, because of because of a password leak or something, right? Yeah. So, I would say that changing passwords definitely changes whether a password can be used after a certain given period of time. Now, what attackers do most of the time is they they try to automate and they'll go for the low hanging fruit first. Mm -hmm. I think I think changing your password after a given point of time does change that a little bit. I think it has an effect there. Um, so I, 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 I that's, that's, that's my, my quick, my quick take on it. It's, I think it can help for security. Uh, I don't know. And you, you're, I think you might have a rebuttal or what you, what do you got to say? 
No, I, I, I don't, because that's what the argument has been for the past five or six years that I can remember is, you know, whether or not it, it fits in that enterprise environment, there's valid cases on both sides of the fence, but ultimately at this point with the May release for Windows 10, it's going to um, no longer be one of those reminders for the users to change their password. Now, cool. if uh, I'm yeah. curious how that's going to play out in the enterprise environment with Active Directory, with GPOs and established policies for acceptable use. And I think that's where there's still going to be that override or this change that they're proposing simply isn't applicable to the Active Directory environments. Yeah, I think that what this this just changes how Microsoft does stuff. I don't think it changes how how you know what you know what recommendation of NIST or whatever you pick a pick a pick some kind of regulation or certification or whatever. I don't think it changes anything. I don't think it changes anything for for GPOs and and what people have to implement because it is some kind of compliance. So I don't I don't think it's a game changer at all. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out and, and what the impact is of their decision. So with that, uh, we're about 40 minutes into the show. I, I want to thank you, Marcus, for taking your time out. And before I open it up to our audience for any questions or comments, um, thanks that the, that the audience members may have. I want to be able to capture as many of them with you here still to let you know tomorrow when we hook up at the Tribe of Hackers Summit. I know based on your prior military experience, you're very familiar with challenge coins. My organization, when I founded it, this is one of the things that I wanted to do because you know, some 16 years ago now, I was given my first challenge coin for an organization that I was working with out of Austin called Collective Technologies. And Jason Thomas, the VP, handed me my first challenge coin. And it was an honor uh, to receive it and it's still sitting in my valet box on my nightstand. I had custom challenge coins made for Operandus and for those of you that can't read it, it says, uh, basically, it's got a C4 that you can see there. The C is in red, and the 4 is obviously right there in black. Uh, it's not because it's going to self-explode in your pocket, but it means uh, champions of cyber cultural change. So I want to be able to give this to you tomorrow while we're both at Tribe of Hacker Summit. Thank you very much for what you're doing, what yeah. you're, the impact that you're having on our community and how you're helping educate uh, those through the Tribe of Hackers and bring us all together. I'm really looking forward to the event tomorrow. So with that, this will be yours tomorrow. I appreciate your, your time here. Do you mind if I open it up to the audience for some questions? Oh yeah, let's let's get some questions in. That's that's what I'm I'm excited about. Let's do All it. All right, let's do it. So, we have the floor open. If you have any questions, comments, want to thank uh, Tom or excuse me, I just saw someone coming in, uh, Marcus, for joining us tonight. Yes, tonight. Feel free to unmute yourself, and uh, or actually, I'll just unmute everyone unless we get some really bad background noise. So it looks like infosec. Sherpa as a I raised my hand yes ma'am you did that was so <laughs> polite of you thank you so much this is actually <laughs> take it uh, so yeah so Marcus thank you so much for being on on the uh, the call tonight so a question for both of you I, I believe you are both aware that I give information security 101 talks uh, at mm -hmm. libraries to librarians to members of the general public Mm. Regar regarding password managers, that's probably the number one thing I get pushed back on when I give these talks. People are very distrustful of them. 
So, uh, but with all the experience between the two of you, I was just wondering if you have any suggestions of how to convince people who are skeptical about uh, password managers. I have kind of a sarcastic one, unfortunately, but, you know, if you look at the media and you pay attention to the news and, you know, just watch your, uh, you know, favorite local news station or, you know, Fox, CNN, MSNBC, you know, and when you start to hear about these data breaches and stuff that are occurring, how many of those are actually password managers? Now, we have had an incident with one who I'm not going to name here. Um, but that was quickly remedied, and of course, they were very proactive and had an excellent incident response plan. But the reality is, um, this scale and scope of how vulnerable their passwords are in these third-party systems with very low security controls in place versus how well a cybersecurity company that focuses exclusively on this where do you think you're you're best suited to to trust your password to exist yeah so i um, mean so what i like to do when anytime i'm trying to get people to change their behavior uh i'm a bit can we meet everybody except for the person talking because i get feet i'm getting feet i'll try to hold on one second And let me find you in the list. Okay, you should be unmuted, Marcus, with everybody else muted. Okay, so what I what I found super handy when getting people trying to change their behavior is tell them stories and and relate it to something in the physical realm, and that makes it easier for them to understand. So there's there's a couple of things I would probably take them to you know have I been pwned, take one of their email addresses and put it in there and show them how many hits they have get them to sign up for that service because that service is going to probably have a couple of them in there right uh i mean everybody probably has something in there right so so give them an example right this is this is how vulnerable your passwords are and there's going to probably be passwords in there they still use by the way okay so so fast forward to like uh so basically any place that I've worked at, definitely a facilities building. They have facilities like a library. They have multiple doors. They have multiple keys. They probably have a key box, right? And they probably have one key. They probably have one key to open up that key box, right? And so I would explain it to them in something that they understand, right? After you show them that, hey, look, your passwords are compromised, then you can show, hey, this is this tool, and it works exactly like this thing. It creates new passwords for every site. And it lets you manage it with a master password, just like a master key to a lockbox for keys. So you, I just have to, that's how I explain security people. Um, and like, I'm super technical and that's what's funny about it is uh, <coughs> I'm, I'm super technical, but uh, I don't, there's no reason why you have to be technical when you're explaining security to people. Um, and I, and I hopefully, hopefully that's uh that, that would do it. So you have to show them why it's vulnerable. I will use it. I have them in phone and then give them the master lock uh, scenario. And there's some in chat. Yeah. So um, someone, Tony Caruso, thank you for joining and adding to the chat. He was suggesting using KeyPass and having your uh, repository stored locally, right? So uh, that, mm -hmm. is, that is an option. Um, obviously, it does come at a higher learning curve. And some of these password managers do give you that option to either store your passwords locally or in the cloud. Um, and, and that's, again, we have pros and cons to each of those. But uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you, the, the, here's, here's what I tell people too. So I use I use one password and I store it locally personally. Mm -hmm. But but what I tell people is that even if all your even if they did get compromised, at least you could change all the keys. You could change all your passwords and you know that they got compromised. The status quo now is you won't know if anything's compromised. Uh, right. You know what I'm saying? So exactly. like, what would you what would you rather have? 
you you can just change all your passwords at a, at a, at a drop of a hat if, if something did get compromised, even if you chose to do the online storage route. So it's way more easy to have security centrally, man centrally managed and, and done um, than, than have it scattered out over the place. And again, like I said, you forget what, you forget what accounts you do have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I use a lot of these techniques um, that, that everyone's mentioned, so I appreciate the reconfirmation of what I've been telling people. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it inevitably, there's somebody in the room who knows about um, one of the password manager incidents and loves to share that with everyone <laughs> when I mention password managers. So I kind of lose the crowd when that happens. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll just, you know, continue to refine what I've, what I've been doing. But yeah, also just kind of FYI then for people who do deal with end users that there is just this high level of distrust for password managers. And, you know, it's definitely perhaps the most challenging part of when I give these talks. So thanks everyone for yeah. your feedback. Absolutely. And Tracy, I, I'm just switching around my camera for you. Let you know, I am coming to you live from my local public library as well. Um, All right. And Tracy, it, Tracy, I, I'm sorry. I hope you don't mind. I've already spoiled it, but uh, at least your name. So Tracy, who is InfoSec Sherpa on Twitter, is actually going to be one of our guest co-hosts this week, or not this week, this month, I believe. And also, also a contributor to Tribe of Hackers. Yes, right. Right. Yes. Uh, so thank you. Looking forward to our talk and really diving into some of the uh, points we've already outlined for it. So I believe the date, refresh me if I'm wrong, but it's going to be May 29th. Is that correct? That sounds correct to me. All right. So looking forward to it. And thank you for joining tonight. And for the question uh, with that. So I will again unmute all and hopefully we'll have some more questions for Marcus. There we go. All participants are unmuted. If you have your questions for Marcus, please go ahead and ask them. You can ask me anything, Cook, cooking recipes, anything. I'm good. <laughs> All right, Marcus, this is Tony. Um, were you at HughesetCon? I was. So that was you running around with your book. That's where I saw it for the first time. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah, that was me running around, brother. <laughs> so I, got, I got two of them, one for me and one for my buddy. Oh, man, that's awesome. Appreciate you for picking them up, man. That's awesome. Did you get a chance to take a look at it? Uh, I'm up to Leslie Carhart. That's awesome. Sweet, sweet. Thanks for buying the book. I'm enjoying it. And uh, uh, new Twitter references, too. Oh yeah, man. Th that's it. Like, follow everybody uh, on that Twitter thing. And I, I think the big news is I, we didn't talk about it. Is we're working on a second book for Red, the, for Red Teamers, where we're gonna we're gonna be working on a Blue Teamer book, a security leadership book, and so we're doing a, a series of books uh, in the same format. So uh, everybody keep their eyes peeled for that too. Excellent, excellent. So speaking of having books at cons, are you going to have some available at the summit tomorrow? Yeah, so there's going to be a lot of books that, uh, you know, I think people are going to probably bring their book. And uh, we're, we're definitely going to have, um, you know, some new books for people to purchase. Uh, I think that one of the tickets you could buy uh, included a book purchase with it. So a lot of people did that too. Oh, cool. Cool. Excellent. Okay. Any other questions from the audience? Okay, with that, we're getting pretty uh, good on time here. Marcus, do you have any closing comments or, or anything you'd like to add before we shut it down? Yeah, so um, I, thanks for having me. Um, uh, as, as you know, I'm, I'm Marcus J. Carey on Twitter. Reach out if, if you have any questions on uh, anything I said. Uh, I help out people with career advice. I try, to, I try to take complex cybersecurity stuff and break it down to uh, so it just makes sense to layman. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that, that's what I do. And, and uh, my DMs are always open on Twitter. You can hit me up anytime. 
uh, I look look forward to you know talking to you online and uh, um, yeah, thanks for thanks for doing this this format, and I think this is going to be a killer format as time goes on. Yeah, I'm hoping so. I, I I'm really looking forward to the growth. Thank you for being here. Really appreciate it. Um, and looking forward to seeing you in person tomorrow in Austin for the for the summit. So with that, folks, I'm Duncan Macklin, the host of Cyber Speaks Live. This is going to be a wrap for this week, but we have an exciting lineup uh, scheduled for the rest of the month. Uh, so next week is going to actually be, again, trying to get to get to the grassroots and talking with folks who are really making a difference. So I'm excited to announce that next week we're going to have a few of the team members from the B-Side San Antonio conference and talking about B-Sides, talking about starting these events, running these events, what goes into it, what matters, how you can contribute. Uh, the whole ball of wax. So I'm really excited to have the B-Sides team from San Antonio joining us for that. And remember, if you'd like to uh, join our mail list and be on the newsletter to know who our upcoming guests are going to be, you can do that from cyberspeaks.com. There's a form there at the bottom. Just put in your email address. You can also follow us on Twitter at Cyberspeaks Live. And with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. I appreciate it. Everybody who took their time out of this evening to join us for this thing you didn't know anything about, didn't know how it would work or if it would be a flop, if it would fail, like I said, it might. Um, hopefully, we've had a good experience. This was fantastic. And when I say fail, Marcus, I mean on my end, right? There's a lot at risk technically to pull this together. And I'm just glad it worked. And I'm glad that we had have a community joining this and we're going to be able to do this on a weekly basis allowing you the audience to really have a voice that can be heard around the world and that's what this podcast is going to be about so if you're wondering what happens from here all this from zoom I extract the audio, clean it up a little bit, do my intro and outro, and then it gets published into all the major podcast platforms. That's what's going to happen. So if you can't join us live from one week to the next, you'll be able to subscribe to the podcast series using your favorite podcast player or platform and be able to stay up with our guests and what they're bringing to the table. So with that, again, thank you guys. Big round of applause to you. And I will see you next week. Thank you. And we're out. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Cyber Speaks Live. Remember to visit our blog at cyberspeaks.com to sign up for our newsletter of upcoming episodes and special guest co-hosts. If you'd like to be a guest co-host or sponsor the show, please email us at speakup at cyberspeaks.com. That's all for this week. And as always, stay safe and secure out there.